Hello, and welcome to the Amsterdam Mamas podcast, bringing you interviews, conversations, and tips about all things parenting in Amsterdam and beyond. For international families, we're your voice in the village. I'm Donna Bardsley. And I'm Catherine Peretta. And today on the podcast, Secondary School in Amsterdam. We follow the experience of a couple of students and parents searching for a school and talk to our education expert to delve into some of the current debate surrounding streaming and testing and choice and fairness. Stay with us. Support for the Amsterdam Mamas podcast comes from Booking.com, the leading accommodation website worldwide and the go-to website for us here at Amsterdam Mamas. We love it for a variety of options for family accommodations, reliable reviews, and the easy booking process. And now, when you use our special link, Amsterdam Mamas gets a percentage of the reservation value so that we can continue to provide services to our community. Book your next stay using the link booking.com backslash Amsterdam Mamas. And don't forget to share with family and friends. We've got just a few announcements before we start today. The next Amsterdam Mamas volunteer drive will be on May 19th at the Amsterdam Mamas headquarters in Zoud. And we have plenty of opportunities available for all skill sets and time commitments. If you're interested, email volunteer at amsterdam-mamas.nl for more information. And one more. The Amsterdam Mamas book group will be meeting on Wednesday, May 31st to discuss the book The Princess Bride by William Goldman. Find the Amsterdam Mamas Book and Film Club on Facebook to join. Our entire episode is devoted to the secondary school system today. We don't have any other segments, so let's dive in. So choosing a secondary school is an aspect of the Dutch education system I did not go through with my kids. And so I wanted to get a little glimpse of it and to find out from some international parents and kids what it's like and how they experienced it. Um, So to find out all about it, I did follow a few kids, tagged along at a school open house, and I talked to one of our community education experts as well. I'm really excited about this. I'm hoping I finally learn what all those acronyms mean. Yes, it's taken me years to figure out what they all mean as well. I used to just smile and nod as if I understood. But uh, yeah, you'll learn all about them today, at least the basics. Okay, great. Let's hear all about it. It's a bitterly cold January night, and I'm outside one of the open nights for a popular Amsterdam high school. Okay, so tell us what your name is. Asha. And I'm also here with... Tony. And... Sarah. Asha is 11 years old and in the last year of primary school in Amsterdam, which means she's in the middle of the secondary school choice matrix. Throughout January and February, high schools in Amsterdam opened their doors and put on a show for prospective students, and the Dutch commitment to the ideal of free choice of schools is in full force as parents and their preteens run themselves ragged to as many schools as they can, sorting their preferences and choosing their one true love, I mean, top school of choice. Though certainly a worthy ideal, the practice of school choice is not without its complications, at least in larger cities like Amsterdam, where lotteries have the final say. And furthermore, throughout the Netherlands, all children entering secondary schools are pre-sorted into academic levels, which is determined by a series of tests and input from their teachers, which in turn determines what types of schools they can attend in the first place. It's a true tracking system, 
starting before the age of 12 even. So as you can imagine, yes, these things are not without some controversy, but we'll get to that later. For now, we're at the open day, and I've just met Aja and her parents, along with a few hundred other parents and preteens. And in true Dutch fashion, we all attempt to cram ourselves through the front doors in a massive knot. But spirits are high, and I chat with Sarah about lotteries as we join the mob to enter the school. So do you have any idea how many spots are available in the lottery for this school, for example? Uh, I don't have it memorized, but I definitely do have the document at home that tells me. There was a lot of data, and it was all in Dutch, so okay, okay. I did my best. <laughs> but definitely there's a lot of information available. At this point, we've entered the building, and we're greeted by a school administrator in Dutch who hands us a stack of pamphlets and papers. I pretend I understand. <laughs> Once we'd found a quieter place to talk, it didn't take long to find out the most important thing on Asha's mind. I hope there's cookies. <laughs> if you didn't catch that, she said, I hope there's cookies. And uh, how are you feeling, Aja? What do you think about the schools you've visited so far? Well, it's been cool, but also I'm really nervous and sad about leaving all my friends from my old school. Right, right. That is a big consideration. How do you feel about that, that next year your friends will kind of all be scattered in different schools? Well, I'm pretty nervous about it, but also excited. What do you think about getting to choose the school you go to? What do you think about that? Um, well, I think that's cool, and I like the way that they do the lottery, so it's fair. Okay. Okay, at this point, it just got far too loud in the building. There were kids running around yelling, a band started to play at one point, and our recording just gets more and more drowned out. Asha went on to say that she liked that with the lottery, a lot of kids got their top choice of schools. And that she was really happy with her school advice. That's the level of studies kids are assigned to. She got VWO, which is the highest level of study, and she didn't expect it, so she felt really satisfied. Here's where I might need to take a minute and explain a few basics about the Dutch secondary system. There are three levels of secondary schools, and the idea is that each level leads to a particular type of diploma, which then leads to particular types of higher education. So VWO, or VWO in Dutch, is a highly academic preparatory education for research universities and then leading on to master's and doctorate programs as well. Next is HAVO, which translates to Higher General Continued Education and leads to uh, Applied Science Universities. Then there's VMBO, or VMBO in Dutch, which is largely a vocational program leading to trade and technical schools. And just to add to the fun, there are different levels and different types of programs within each level. And yes, there's a flowchart to explain it all. And it's worth noting, because I'm sure you're wondering, you can change levels. Students do move up or down. And it's true that there are many ways to get just about anywhere in the system. But it's also true that it is undeniably a system that divides. And that's hard to get around. I asked Aja if the kids in her class talked about their school advice, and she said no, they didn't. But it turns out that most kids in Aja's class had not received their final advice when we talked. But they did soon after, and then yes, they most definitely talked about it, and most kids knew each other's advice. So I was curious to hear some perspectives from other kids. So I recorded with two other students, 
after they'd visited all their schools and were busy making their lists. Oh, and both are remaining anonymous. I started out asking the first child what words he would use to describe the process of choosing a school. It was kind of annoying because usually at that time I would just like play outside or do something else. But then I have to go out and then look at schools. But I'm happy that I'm through it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So it kind of got in the way of other things you wanted to do. Yeah. So what do you think of the schools you've been to visit so far? I, I liked them. But some I didn't like a lot because I just didn't feel nice there. What would make a school feel nice, Uh, in your opinion? Well, I like more modern places. And also, then I feel more comfortable. Okay. And then also, obviously, like nice teachers. Did you like getting to choose a school? Well, that, yeah, yeah, no, because it was quite hard to choose which one, and I I am still struggling which one to choose. Yeah, it's hard to figure out. Yeah. What did you, but did you like anything about it? You said yes and no. Uh, yeah, I like making, like, lists, because I like putting everything in order. Okay. So you, there is a part of it you, you like thinking about it and yeah. um, figuring that out? Yeah. Do you, do you know what um, advice the other kids in your class got? No, but like my best friends I do, but some people I don't. Yeah. Okay, so it's not really... Did you feel much stress or pressure or anything like that, like with um, getting um, a high advice or getting a certain uh, level or anything like that? Did, did n- that impact you? No, not really. Yeah. Oh, are you nervous about the lottery? Uh, no, but I do hope that I get into ones that I like the most. Yeah, yeah. What words would you use to describe the process of searching and choosing secondary schools. Exciting. Exciting. This is my daughter's friend. A few weeks earlier, she'd been at my house and told me that choosing a school was not fun at all. So I was a little surprised to hear this answer. It's very exciting, intriguing, and it expands your curiosity. You want to find more after you look at the schools. You want to know more about the schools or more about yourself? More about, you find out more about yourself and what you like to learn about once you visit the schools. Hmm. Um, Do you remember a few weeks ago you were at my house and we were talking about this and you said, uh, I don't remember the word you use anymore, either stressful. Stressful. Yeah, okay, I think you said stressful. It's also very stressful (laughs) because you have to plan your whole week. There's lots of schools, so you plan your whole week, your whole week is full, sometimes you even have two in a whole day, and usually those take I take two hours to walk around the school do all the lessons yeah so it's very stressful because then you have to compact all your after school activities your homework everything you really have to do along with the looking for a school yeah it was yeah. a very stressful 
<laughs> and exciting opportunity. But did you find it stressful? Did, did you find the decision-making process stressful, or did that, that wasn't, worry you or anything? Uh, the decision-making, the making of the list, wasn't that stressful, I found. Because okay. I found the most of the schools, except for two that were on my list, I really thought, if I go here, I wouldn't, I wouldn't cry. Okay, you'd be happy with I'd any be of I'd be happy with yeah. anything okay. on my list, basically. Okay. So, do you feel like you learned a lot about what you like and don't like? Most definitely. I, going into the schools, I thought I would like freedom. I thought I would like to do, to not have the teachers around as much. But then, as I look around the schools, I figured out that's not really what I'm looking for. And so, by looking for the schools, you find what helps you learn. So, so then, do you like the idea or the fact that you get to choose a school, even though the actual school you go to will be decided by the lottery? Do you like the fact that you get to order them um, by your preference, go visit them, and have a say in the selection process? I really like that. Yeah. I really like that. Because if they send you off to a school that you visited but you don't really like, it's kind of like a, you're not really happy, but being able to have the choice and having a say in where you go is really satisfying. And it's really, it, it's really nice to have your own paper at the end of what your schools are and having be, being able to have a say in where you're going for your future. So you think a lot of the kids in your class felt stress about what sort of advice they were going to get? I think some kids were panicking. Really? My, my, one of my friends, she was scared as heck about school process. She thought, I've done them, but I'm so scared. They were all so hard. I can't do them. I won't get a good at the feast. And then she comes back and she's a VWO. Do you know the advice of the other kids in your class? Do you guys talk about it? We talk about it, but if you really don't have a if you don't have a good one, you just don't bring it up. You don't oh, share okay. it. Okay. So only if somebody tells you I have this and that, then you know it. But if okay. somebody doesn't tell you, you won't know. Basically, half my class has VWO, which means if you have the Cater um, or Mafo, you wouldn't be so proud of it, and you wouldn't be telling people I have this and that, because then, yeah. Most of the class has it, so you'd feel a little left out. Mm. So, um, yeah, do you think those kids feel a little... How do you think they feel about it? I don't think they're that happy, but my friend, she has she has a lower one, but she has this school that she really likes. So she's really happy with that. What, what do you think about the fact that the kids do get kind of divided up? Like, what do you make of that? You are how you are, and there are people in the world who still do not have a great advice, but can still do great things and have a good job and a good life and be happy. So even if you have a low one, just be happy with it. So as far as like the idea that, that this kind of determines your path in life is not really like a big, big deal for, for you or for the other kids. You guys don't really think about it in that way. Sometimes you think this could be determining my life, but otherwise, but sometimes you also go, you just think, this is just another 
this is just another path, this is just another stone in the road. And after this, I still have another chance on another school. Mm -hmm. I could, and you still have a chance to make something different of what you have. I should mention here that all the kids I talked to for this episode moved here in the last two to five years and have learned Dutch since arriving, and all received VWO advice. For whatever reason, I couldn't get any students with HAVO or VMBO advice or their parents to talk to me. And that could be for any number of reasons, so I really can't speculate. So granted, this is a tiny sampling and, of course, from kids who have every reason to feel satisfied within the system— But still, I found their positive experiences quite encouraging. But how does a parent find this process, especially an international parent who maybe didn't go through the system themselves? Well, as it turns out, Sarah, Asha's mom, who you heard earlier, wrote a series of blog posts about her experience, which brought up a lot of fascinating and some frustrating aspects of the whole thing. And in lieu of an interview, which we did at the open night, but it was quite noisy, I asked her if she would record some excerpts for this episode, and she was happy to oblige. So, here's Sarah. The year you turn 12 is an important year in the Netherlands. In fact, if I were to be melodramatic, I would say it can determine the entire course of your life. Because kids get tracked at the age of 12 into a certain educational level, which determines where they go to school which types of higher education will be available to them in the future, and accordingly, for which sorts of jobs they will be qualified. That's pretty heavy for a 12-year-old. And what's more, students are not assigned to schools based on where they live. You have to go to a school that offers the level of study you've been recommended for, but you're free to go to any school in the city. And to make it fair for everyone, all incoming students participate in a lottery. You rank the schools in your order of preference, It's recommended to include at least 12 schools on your list. And in April, there's a lottery to determine where you'll be placed. And everyone knows someone with a lottery disaster story. There have even been lawsuits over the lottery. Cue massive parental anxiety. During the months of January and February, the Dutch high schools in Amsterdam hold open days. Those open days started this week, and there are a lot of them. By now, we've been to a few and pretty much have the drill down, and Asha knows to keep her eyes out for the cookies. I'm starting to feel more confident about the process and a bit less shell-shocked. I've also spent some more time researching exactly how the lottery works, which has been somewhat reassuring, at least as far as 19 pages of statistical analysis in a foreign language can be reassuring. In fact, There have been several academic papers on the Amsterdam secondary lottery over the years, and apparently, due to various analyses, they've recently switched the algorithm to encourage kids to rank their true preferences, rather than attempting to choose strategically. However, even I have not delved into this literature beyond scanning through abstracts, because I am really, truly trying not to be that parent. In any case, this particular analysis ends with the encouraging news that last year, 95% of kids got placed in one of their top three choices, and 97% in their top five. So I really shouldn't worry too much about this. But of course, being a parent and a worrier, I do. There is one especially aggravating thing about this whole process. 
We spend by far the most time and effort on schools in which we have little interest and to which it is very unlikely Asha will go. After all, 95% of kids get placed in one of their top three choices. It wasn't very difficult to choose those top three. We had a fairly good idea of which ones they would be based on their websites, programs offered, test scores, and proximity to our house. The visits were more to see how the school felt to Asha and rank them either one, two, or three. However, there's that 5% chance, or more possibly since her top choices are all quite popular schools, that she'll be unlucky and go somewhere else, which is why it's recommended to include at least 12 choices. If all goes well, we will have visited a total of 13 schools, which means 10 schools that are not in our top three. I don't think any of the schools are really that bad, so I keep trying to tell myself that it's not that big of a deal. But at the same time, I really hate the pressure and the uncertainty of having to rank them all. Because often it's like comparing apples to oranges. I mean, obviously all things being equal, we prefer a three-minute commute to a 45-minute commute. But what if all things are not equal? Which, of course, they aren't. What if it's a 25-minute commute to an okay school compared to that 45-minute commute to the amazing school? I feel like I need my own little algorithm to help me choose. And then, when I ask Asha about her opinion, she'll base it on something like the color of the lockers, at which point I'm wondering why we're even doing all this in the first place, rather than just throwing darts at a board. But one of the best things about the way they do this whole high school thing here is that it's so kid-focused. Whenever we walk into a school on an open day, it's Asha who is greeted and handed a flyer, a folder, a bag of brochures, a pen, a water bottle, or whatever they're handing out at this particular school. And she promptly hands it all over to me to carry for her. The students and teachers focus on talking to the visiting kids, although they are also polite and willing to answer the parents' questions. Because let's be real, the kids are 11 and 12, and sometimes they are more interested in the bowl of snacks on the table than in asking questions about their future education. The careful focus on making the kids feel like their presence and opinions are important is just an outward manifestation of the fact that, when all is said and done, it's the kid making a list of her favorite schools, since, after all, it's also the kid who will be attending that school for the next six years. As the administrator at my daughter's primary school put it, the parents choose the primary school and the kids choose the secondary school. While I was chatting with Donna Bardsley at Amsterdam Mamas after she interviewed me last week about this whole process, she had asked me during the interview what I thought about the Dutch education system, and in particular about the streaming system that separates kids out by ability at the age of 11. I'd responded fairly positively, partially because I've always had an inherent hesitation about publicly saying something overtly negative about the culture in which I live at the time, and partially because I really do see some clear benefits to the system. And I am thrilled at the array of excellent educational options that are presented to my daughter here. However, I think back to when we were first moving here and how worried I was about the short time Asha had to learn Dutch and get up to speed with an unfamiliar educational system, and I know that if she'd gotten a lower advice, I would definitely want her in a more alternative school that avoids streaming the children so early, rather than one that caps her abilities at a certain level, which does make me feel somewhat hypocritical when I speak positively about a system that apparently does leave many children behind. 
I've informally talked to quite a few people about their opinions on the Dutch education system and this rather utopian or dystopian aspect of it. The first reaction of most of us as expats is to be so completely bewildered by the complexity of the system that we're initially not really capable of any opinion at all. And there is, of course, always the fact that the system people are used to from their home countries might seem better at first blush just because they're used to it. Some expats love the Dutch system and feel it serves their kids well. Others worry that their kids' unique strengths and abilities are not fully supported by it. Among the Dutch, also the reaction is mixed. Many Dutch people have told me that there is no stigma about going to any of the different levels. True, perhaps, in some circles and situations, but definitely untrue in others. They also tend to point out that HAVO, the second level, leads to what in many countries would be considered the same as a university-level education, and that separating the children out by ability level keeps all the kids from stressing out. Still, there is a significant amount of controversy about the streaming system within the Netherlands, both among individual parents who believe their own children have been streamed below their abilities, and among those who rightly notice that on a population level, certain ethnic, socioeconomic, geographic, and other groups are overrepresented in the lower streams. Many of the Dutch parents at our current school are there because they felt their children's previous schools focused too much on testing and streaming. And a new high school in the west of Amsterdam was recently formed specifically to address the talent that is being squandered by streaming children in certain areas disproportionately into lower levels. Does the system need a major overhaul or just a few tweaks? Does it work well for a majority of kids or would most be better off in a system that didn't stream them so early? I'm not sure, really. I guess for now I just feel grateful that it seems to be working for my daughter at least pending a good result with the lottery. And even there, I know the way I think about it is certainly self-centered. When Donna asked my daughter what she thought of the lottery, she answered without hesitation that she thought the lottery was a good idea, because it's fair. She is definitely internalizing some proper Dutch collectivist values. Now that we are done, I must say that it has been an extremely educative process for me. I've learned more about the Dutch education system and the individual schools, but I've also come to understand better the importance they place here on school choice, both for parents and for children. The advantages of offering so many choices are obvious, I guess. Ideally, each student would find the program and school that is the perfect match, as far as academic level, educational method, subject emphasis, individual accommodations, distance from home, and, of course, that indefinable click between the student and the school. Disadvantages do exist as well. For example, the small chance for each child of losing out in the lottery and getting a choice far down the list is an obvious built-in disadvantage. But there's another one that can hit you blindside, the sheer time it takes. I would recommend that any parent going into this adventure plan to put the entire rest of his or her life on hold for a month. I am only half joking. At least do yourself a favor and take some time off work. The amount of time I have spent on this between planning, researching, and traveling to and from schools, let alone the actual school visits themselves, is probably the equivalent of a second part-time job. Fortunately, my daughter doesn't seem particularly stressed about any part of the process. However, for a parent, the sheer responsibility of adequately researching the dozen or so schools they recommend putting on the lottery form is daunting, 
This must be true even for Dutch parents who face no language barrier and probably know some of the potential schools, at least by reputation. For an expat for whom the language as well as the whole system are unfamiliar, it can be both bewildering and overwhelming. But, as I'm sort of obligated to say after all this thinking about Latin lately, I believe I've come out victorious. You can read Sarah's full blog posts at castelluzzo.com. That's C-A-S-T-E-L-U-Z-Z-O.com. What I was most curious about in this whole process was what are the sort of issues that are a big deal to Dutch parents? What's the national debate like surrounding education right now in the Netherlands? So to talk more about the current debates and issues within the secondary system, I sat down with Annabeth van Wammeren from New to NL. Annabeth has been on our podcast before to talk about primary schools, and she's well known in our community for helping parents navigate the Dutch education system and makes a point to keep her finger on the pulse of what's happening in education in the Netherlands. So we started out by talking about the CETO test and whether there was any controversy surrounding that. Well, maybe not so much of a controversy, but there's a lot of debate about it, indeed. A lot of things have changed already. So the law says that there has to be an objective uh, source for um, recommendation of high school, and that is uh, the end test. Previously, it was only CETO, and CETO, yeah, there's a lot of misunderstanding about as well. CETO is a foundation that uh, works in... um, cooperation with the government and some people think they are a commercial company but that is not true and uh, but next to CETO there are some other agencies that also created a test and the schools can choose which test they want but they all test the ability of the child for further education. Um, what, what exactly is the CETO testing? It's not, um, it's not IQ, it's not like, yeah, they test for uh, Dutch uh, language acquisition, and reading, uh, math, and uh, study skills. But it, yeah, it is uh, indeed not an IQ test. Some people think it is, but they, they really test what you have learned at school and what you could handle in secondary education. Yeah, I guess I'm just trying to wrap my mind around this now. Like it's, yeah, it's assessing what your level of knowledge is in these subjects. But then, I, but then I think the association is that the higher the CETO score, then the smarter you are, I guess, or then that determines what level of secondary school you're able to handle. But is there, I mean, is it really shown that there's a correlation? Maybe some kids don't test well. Maybe, you know, there could be other issues that come up. Are, the, are these sort of the questions that people are asking around the CETO test? So previously, the outcome of the CETO test was leading. And since uh, three years, the, um, the teacher's recommendation is leading. And it, okay, so when you say leading, you mean the mo- more important yeah, exactly. part of yeah. the advice. Okay. And the teacher bases the recommendation on uh, the test results in the previous years, but also on the interest of the child, uh, intelligence, eagerness to learn, uh, overall attitude. So the, the teacher looks at the whole package. So that's w- one of the reasons they uh, decided now that first the teacher gives a recommendation. Yeah. So you can have a bad day when you um, 
when you take the CETO test. But then the teacher can still give you a higher recommendation because they have seen that you perform well overall. And that is good, but also it can be very subjective. And another uh, issue they, um, you hear a lot of debate about is that, so on the one hand, it is good that the teacher gives an advice because yeah, they look at the whole child and not only the test results. But there's also been some research that shows that uh, children of lower educated parents, that they usually get a lower recommendation from the teacher compared to children of higher educated parents. And so what's that? What that's suggesting might, or that might be suggesting that bias is coming into play with the teachers and prejudice, possibly. Yeah, it's partly due to the parents, because you see that higher educated parents, they, uh, they usually push their children harder. They, are, right. uh, they pay for tutors, for homework, um, guidance. Um, uh, they are also usually more yeah, vocally strong when talking to the teacher and demanding a higher recommendation. Right, right. So one part comes from the parents, but the other part might come from the teachers that they just think that yeah, a child of lower educated parents who maybe don't speak Dutch, um, that th- this child wouldn't do very well. Sometimes that's the case, but of course not always. Right. Yeah. And then, yeah, the child is disadvantaged. Yeah. The, yeah, they're talking about that a lot now, and uh, but it's yeah hard to change. But at least they have found out that there's a problem and there need something needs to be done. Yeah, so there are there is a conversation going on about that. You would say, like, yeah, definitely within yeah. the Netherlands. Yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly in the Dutch education group recently, there was a really fascinating discussion about the CETO um, tutoring. That it's kind of it was it came out that it's kind of the dirty secret of you know or, or like the best kept secret or something in the Netherlands that you know parents more and more are getting their kids um, tutored just for the CETO test like CETO test training in other words um, but that obviously that's something that more affluent parents can afford. Yeah, that's. I wouldn't say that is a, a Netherlands thing. It's really well, so, an Amsterdam yeah, yeah. thing. Oh, yeah. well, really? Oh, just an Amsterdam thing? Yeah, not just, but... So the idea officially is you don't need to learn for the CETO because they test everything that you have learned in your uh, eight years of school. Um, so, you, yeah, you don't need to extra preparation for that. But, yeah, in Amsterdam, there's a lot of higher educated, more wealthy parents... Uh, more pressure as well. So if you look at uh, CETO scores of Amsterdam, they're much higher than the average of the country. Uh, when I talk about this with my friends who live uh, yeah, in the province, as we say, so outside of the city, they really look at me like CETO tutoring. Okay. So it, it doesn't play a role at all there. Wow, okay. Um, you... You should realize that about uh, half of the children in the Netherlands, they go to uh, VMBO. So that is the average. So when a school has like 70% of children who go to VWO, something is going on there. So it usually means that the parents are very highly educated. And then, yeah, their children start with a higher base and the teachers, yeah, they don't need to really teach the basics that much Mm. 
um, but maybe they only teach the things that are being asked in the CITO and they right. don't teach many things beyond that and not maybe they're not very creative or maybe they are very homogeneous Dutch population that as a non-Dutch family you don't really fit in well so the CITO scores it's one thing to look at but they don't tell you everything about the quality of the school and whether it is the best fit for your family Right. So, yeah, it's not necessarily the end-all, be-all. No, not at all. Do parents in the Netherlands tend to feel that all of this testing and the advice happens at a very young age? Are they concerned about that at all? Do they think 11, 10, 11, 12 is a, is a young age to determine what uh, sort of track they're going to be on, at least for the next few years? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not really sure because for us... Yeah, that's the way it is. Being through the system, and <laughs> right. that's the way it is yeah. indeed. So I yeah. never really felt the pressure of CITO. And um, so, yeah, personally, yeah, I'm not very concerned about it. I don't really think about it that much. Yeah. But I can imagine when your child uh, has some learning issues, or when they're not really mature, or when they're just at the verge of two levels and it's not really sure that then it becomes a more pressing issue. And uh, so I can imagine that other parents who have different experience that they think it's way too early. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's not necessarily like it's a big issue. It's generally accepted. Yeah. yeah. But it's not that it is the best way. So right, right. yeah, I think a lot of parents agree that there are better ways to, to do the system and, uh, yeah. And also because the Netherlands is one of the only countries that has this early streaming. Yeah, yeah. So then you also start wondering why is that actually and is that a good thing and maybe we could change something. So, right. yeah. What, what are the sort of um, national debates going on about education reform, especially surrounding secondary schools? And now a lot of things are changing, that they are trying to make the system more flexible, that you can do um, different subjects at different levels. So now you have to take all subjects at the same level, which becomes uh, the level of your weakest subject. And right. actually, yeah. I think that is one of the main problems of the cur current system, especially uh, for children who are not native Dutch. Maybe they're very good in math, but not very good in Dutch. And then they have to do everything at the lower level of their Dutch. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it is... A challenge to um, to change this system because, yeah, right. with all the differences <laughs> between the schools, it's very difficult to combine levels sometimes. But there are some pilot schools that are already working like this, and the results seem to be okay. So, in the future, that will probably be more common to do that. Yeah, that that seems to make more sense to me. That within, because that, that's something that if I were to critique the system, would be definitely something I would bring up, that individual, it doesn't seem to allow for variation within an individual student, that they're given a score and they're at a certain level, therefore therefore, everything they do is at that level. That seems yeah. problematic. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, You have to choose a profile at some point, so um, you pick the, the subjects that you are best at and that you like most. But some subjects are still compulsory, like uh, some sort of math, um, Dutch and English. 
So yeah, you cannot drop them. So if that's your weakest subject, yeah. then yeah, that keeps you from passing uh, the year. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's very good that they are uh, trying on improving that. But yeah, and now it is also a trend that you see now more standalone havos and standalone video of um, gymnasium and VMBO. Um, so previously they were more combined in uh, yeah, they call it the scholengemeenschap, so uh, okay. different levels mm-hmm. in one school. But especially uh, the higher levels, they're sort of pushing the VMBO out of the school. And then there's not much contact between the students of different levels anymore, which I think is not good. Right. And it makes it more difficult for the VMBO students to climb up. They have to change school first, which is extra hassle for them. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, so there's some debate about that as well. But the school boards they have a lot of, um, yeah, a lot of power, and the government cannot really oblige them to keep all levels on board. That's another interesting aspect of yeah. the Dutch system. Yeah, they uh, they are all funded by the government, but they can make their own rules up to a certain extent, of course. And um, so, yeah, it makes it very difficult to convince all school boards to do certain things. And usually there's a lot of debate that goes before that. Right. Ultimately, a lot of stuff is up to the school boards. They have a lot of power. Yeah. Um, You mentioned that the possibility of children um, going into secondary school and then switching. Do you know maybe what the current statistics are for how many um, children in the Netherlands do end up switching streams after they've already started secondary school. I'm imagine, I imagine that's something that they track. Yeah. Uh, I don't know precise numbers, but uh, in the past it was very common to, um, to move up schools after you have uh, completed one level. Then uh, for a while the schools got sort of punished for that. But that's actually a very unwanted situation because in the end you want students to move up and have better education. So that is changing again now. And um, there's also some children, they start at the higher level and then uh, it turns out to be too difficult for them and they go down. So that is, that's also happening. And what you see is that a lot of children who got... Uh, Uh, CETO tutoring in uh, primary school that they indeed end up at a higher level of secondary education but they can't make it so those are often the ones that have to drop a level when they are in secondary. Yeah because I would imagine those statistics would be important because it would reflect how accurately students are being assessed for the secondary level. They're not getting the correct advice in the first place. Or yeah. would it indicate that actually kids change? Yeah. One of my theories about the system is that it grew out of um, maybe a time or an attitude that uh, intelligence was rather fixed and could be kind of determined, you know, through things like testing. But um, is that something that parents or people forming education policy, are, are they wondering about this whether or not students actually do change over time. Yeah, yeah. the original idea of the, the CETO test was that um, previously when you were the son of a carpenter, you were supposed to be a carpenter as well. But maybe you had other qualities and you were ready for a higher level. 
So with objective tests, they could uh, prove that they could have um, that they have all qualities to go to a higher level. So that was the initial idea, and yeah, indeed, uh, some children they flourish later or they mature later. Or yeah, I always use my own brother as an example because he's very intelligent, but he has dyslexia, and BWO is very language based, and it was a nightmare for him. So he started at uh, Mavo, which. Uh, which has now become uh, VMBO. He completed that, went to MBO, which is the level after VMBO. M- MBO is like a... Um, it's a, a vocational education. They really yeah. train you for a profession. Okay, yeah. So he spent uh, two months at a designer school and he, he really didn't like it. It wasn't really not for him. So then he switched to HAFO completed HAFO, then uh, he did one year of uh, HBO, which is uh, University for Applied Sciences, and after this year he could move to university. So it took him a bit longer, but he did get there without the burden of all those languages. So for him that was the best route. So, But you really need to be motivated, and if not, then yeah, you you cannot do this whole uh, tour. Right. So with your brother, when he went back to the HAVO level, he's starting, is he starting back at group um, or level one at HAVO? Um, Well, VMBO is four years and HAVO is five years and VWO is six years. Um, But usually you can only, uh, after the fourth class of VMBO, you can go to four HAVO. Uh, okay. And after you don't... five half, or you oh, okay. can go to five v- VWO. So you lose one year in that sense. I see. Okay. Uh, you don't also, start over and go through the entire program. You go to no, the no to yeah the extra level. That, yes. Right. Okay. But they are also making that more flexible. That you um, for students who are uh, really doing well at one level, that they can switch to the next level without completing the whole uh, ah, okay. education. Okay. Yeah. And. Um, they're now also talking about a reassessment of the students after two years of secondary education to see if they are still at the right level and if they prove they can do better that they can move up already uh, after two years so also in that respect they're becoming more flexible than uh, it used to be yeah because it seems like I mean this isn't just really about secondary school this does end up determining to a large extent whether people go to university or whether they go into a trade Um, and the whole point of it is to kind of determine that before they even are you know in secondary school Um, I mean definitely I come from this from a very American perspective I totally and fully admit that that this that the streaming is a little difficult for me to to swallow and accept it seems very deterministic it it seems like it to me um you know, my initial reaction is that it's limiting for students. And, but it sounds like maybe yeah. there is more flexibility and more ability for people to change course and have more options later on. Yeah. Yeah, you also have to realize that um, the World Economic Forum has uh, published that the Netherlands is the third most educated country of the world. So if, it would be, if the system would be limiting, they wouldn't end up that high. That means so, that like a higher percentage of the population has a has reached a particular level yeah. of education. So the, um, and also the OECD PISA survey. So they um, they test um, 
15 year olds. Uh, the Dutch uh, perform very well there, and um, there's more people have completed. Um, how do you say it? Ter- tertiary education. So the, yeah. So they are doing really well. Yeah. Um, but for some individual students, it is indeed limiting, and. So you see more and more that uh, schools are looking at the individual student and see what is the best for them. Also, the politicians are more talking in that direction. So it's a good change. But yeah, it's not that we leave from a disadvantaged position. So it's only about how can we improve even more. And Yeah, yeah, that's important, an important distinction to make. Yeah. But I think it is. these are just interesting topics to discuss because there are different systems and different approaches to education and there's always pros and cons, there's always advantages and disadvantages and they're, they can be really um, difficult yeah. and they can be really fascinating as well. So Yeah, yeah. and changing so much. Uh, Absolutely. Track. <laughs> yeah. And one last thing before we end today. Since we recorded most of this episode, the Amsterdam Lottery took place on April 5th. For the kids in our story, two got their first choice school and one got into their third choice school. And all their parents report that the kids are quite happy, if not a little nervous now that it's a reality. But the problems with the lottery have persisted. And though officials have hailed this year's lottery as a success, as the numbers did improve officially, those students who were not placed in any school feel quite differently. And so the tug of war continues over the questions of fairness, division, politics, and school choice. That's all for this episode. To comment on this or any episode, head on over to the Amsterdam Mamas podcast Facebook page to join or start a conversation. All the resources and websites mentioned in this episode can be found on our show notes, posted there as well. We'd like to thank Annabeth van Mameren, Sarah and Aja Familia, and our additional students for being our guests today. And special thank you also to Catherine Ninnis for editing this episode, Roberta Borgognoni for transcription help, and to the Amsterdam Mamas team and our director, Emmy McCarthy, for their support. And of course, thank you all for listening. We'll be back. <laughs>